There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Great to be back talking some NBA and other basketball with my buddies Andy Routens and Javon Shepard. Um, it's November the 11th in... Uh, Canada, in the United States, in the world. It's Remembrance Day here in Canada, Veterans Day in the United States. So, uh, lest we forget, and all our thoughts to those who have served before us and are serving in the militaries today. Um, I, I feel like Remembrance Day, Veterans Day becomes more important and has more meaning with each passing year. And uh, gratitude to all those people um, who have made sacrifices for our safety. Getting to basketball, things seem to be coming together. The NBA has a start date. It's going to be December the 22nd. It looks like a 72-game season. I think that brings with it so many questions. But to me, the, the, the first way to start it is considering that the NBA Finals ended in October. It's only going to be something like... I don't know. Is it, was it seventy days? Is, is that what I saw? It's seventy days to the start from of the finals the, to the start of the next start season. of next season, and fifty something days to, games to the start of training camp. So it's right. it's the shortest off season in any of the major leagues ever. Ever. Yeah. So it it it's really an experiment and really something uh, that it is we're going to all have to keep an eye on it. So so Shep, let, let, let's start with you. Do you think? They're starting too soon. No, because I think it's there's a lot of variables that you have to take into account. One being, you know, the amount of money that the NBA could potentially lose if they had started a month later, which would have been anywhere from five hundred million to a billion dollars. Now, when you're looking at it from the NBA standpoint, you're thinking, okay, they can recoup that money at any point. But at the same time, the players are the ones that are affected the most, right? And they were. I spoke to a couple of players this week, and they had said um, they were looking to lose upwards of 40% of their salary if the NBA wow. had had pushed back yeah. you know, an additional month, which, you know, they, they, they make a little bit more money than us. Yeah. But That's so a guy that makes a large chunk of 10 million, you take away that 40% and then yeah. add in the taxes, you're down to three, four million. So yeah. it, it is a big chunk. It's a huge amount. Yeah. Why is it so much? Why is it 40% if it was, I mean... If they started two weeks later, I mean, I I, I I have a hard time understanding the math of it. I was never a very good math student, but it just 40% seems like a, a huge number. And obviously the answer to why they're starting so early is money. But there was some resistance at first. 
I, I remember Danny Green was the first player yeah. I remember publicly hearing something from saying, whoa, wait a second, we just played in the finals. Uh, and, you know, at one point the Lakers didn't even want to stick around in the bubble, and now they've gone all the way, and now they got to be back playing. What, what, what do you think, Andy? Should they, should they have given it maybe another month? Uh, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I, I think that I, I trust in Adam Silver. I trust in his plan for the players. I think he has the best interest of the players as well as his league. Um, he's done a great job so, thus far in the bubble, uh, you know, in terms of recouping the money, no positive tests. Um, but as far as, as being an athlete and, and getting in shape, Shep, how long would you say you needed to actually get in shape, game shape? Well, my body type was a little different than yours. <laughs> I, you know, two, three weeks, even up to a, a month and a half till you really, till I really uh-huh. felt like I was in game game shape game shape yeah. and then once you're in shape yeah it's that timing right, right. so um it's, it's really tough to say man I, I just i don't think that i think if they if they start now you know guys are already in the gym they're, they're getting their baseline conditioning up right now once they get together as a team they can start going fives i think guys will be in shape mm-hmm. i think the teams that are going to struggle the most are the guys who just finished recently which i think that you know load, man, load management is going to be a big thing mm-hmm. paging uh, Alex McKechnie. Shout out, Alex, Shout out McKechnie. Alex McKechnie. Sir Alex. Sir Alex, that's yeah, right. I'm in here already. Absolutely. But I, I, I got I to ask you one thing that you guys have mentioned a lot as we've been talking over these last few months mm-hmm. is the healing process at the end of the season. And I think that that's something, at least for the Lakers and Miami Heat and maybe the other teams that were in the conference finals, the Nuggets and the Celtics, when is their when is their rest period? I mean, are they they're basically just going straight through? And mm-hmm. at that point, they're they're hitting the gym the day after the finals to stay in shape. I think you know we're, we're obviously in unprecedented times, so there's not going to be any right answer to really mm-hmm. structure this thing. And I think there's going to be a, have to be a sacrifice at, at some capacity, whether it be from the, the the guys that just came off of winning a championship or playing in the finals, or you know the, the lesser end of the NBA. NBA teams, which we often don't really think about, they haven't mm-hmm. played basketball since March. Yeah, so you know, there's gonna there has to be a compromise somewhere. Every, not everybody's gonna be happy. Somebody's gonna be disappointed. And then, secondly, I think you know the elephant in the room that nobody really discusses is the fact that the Olympics are still in the equation, right? And I, I feel like the um, NBA has done a good job as well as the Olympic governing body to not have the two overlap um, going forward later later on in the in the year in the summer. Uh, so guys are gonna have to be playing year round and again you know these guys are paid like this is your profession is to be in in shape and so forth i think the toughest thing is to be able to um get that five on five play which they're gonna they're gonna need to do i mean i think more so it's mentally you need a break Mm -hmm. from from the bubble Mm -hmm. from feeling uh restricted from from you know being on top of your teammates night and day uh pause but yeah i think that it's a situation where these guys are always staying in shape regardless year round. That's what they do. You know, LeBron puts a million dollars into his body every year. If it's sustainable for these guys to continue playing, um, you know, there's going to be lots of G League guys in and out since there's no season. So they have opportunities to to, to bring guys in and out of the mix uh, in terms of fresh bodies. Hmm. Uh, and I think they'll you know inject their stars when they need to um, early on, especially. Um, and and I think it's a feasible thing. I think that, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing by recouping this money and, and not letting the guys who really need it 
you know, make their money. I think so. And we might even be overthinking it. We're forgetting that these guys love to play the game of basketball. They're not walking into a job that they hate. But what they don't love is another bubble setting. Exactly. I'm sure. Well, Danny Green, I I think this this is a question because of Danny Green. He's the one. And look, to his credit, he's played the most basketball of anybody the last two years, right? He's he's the only guy who's won championships in 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. So he kind of raised the question, which is which is why I I think it's something worth talking about. And you know, soccer, and I, I turned to producer Dan Wong about this. I've always thought I was always surprised how quick their turnaround is. Right, a lot of those teams are going into even is it November with some of the the championships, and it feels like they start their season early. Right? Yeah, they. I have to tell you though, talking to Dickio and Forrest, specifically Dickio, because he he was a striker. Mm-hmm. He's the same as you. He's like six weeks. He was always, you know, Craig as a goal goalkeeper was always saying, you know, my life is a little different than these guys who are running back and forth. Six to eight weeks is what mm-hmm. they said to get in shape. Mm-hmm. They were always commenting on the first games that started being played out of Europe mm-hmm. as kind of trashy right yes yeah so just sure. fyi and it's I gonna can, be sloppy you know that's for sure it was, just remember the first couple of games in the bubble yeah kind of trashy out there. for sure yeah. and you, even you know talking on how trashy the games are going to be we're forgetting free agency starting that's pretty, right pretty that's late like two weeks before training camps yeah. right and i i imagine that's going to potentially extend into training camp and guys going to be moving moved around and not with their respective teams mm-hmm. until you know maybe even midway through through training camp so it's you're not going to have your full team. It'll it'll be interesting to, to see out of all the teams that remained in the bubble and the teams that didn't, if their rosters are the teams that weren't in the bubble, if their rosters are at full strength when they start playing because yeah. they want to get everybody going versus teams that stayed in the bubble who are going to be playing maybe three or four of the regular guys and then straight bench guys just to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the start and how it, how it goes from there. I'm even thinking from the standpoint of the coaches where, you know, the ones that were recently signed. I know Oklahoma just signed and they're one of their assistants yeah, to step up today into, yeah. into uh, the head coaching role. It's like, how do you prepare? How do you implement your systems in you know a three week window yeah. to yeah. for it to be successful through over over a seventy two game season that's already condensed and more back to more consecutive games back to back. So there's gonna be it's gonna well, be he's chaos. Been there. He's been there. I feel like a guy like Billy Donovan is, is going to be an interesting one where you're, you're in a whole new city. You know, you're, you're yeah. taking on a whole another project and a new organization sure i mean the brooklyn nets the brooklyn you know nets, steve nash right. kevin durant hasn't played competitive basketball in a year yeah. and a half oh yeah and he's got it you know Kyrie as well there, yeah. there, there's so many people dealing with things my tendency is to think that the audience is going to forgive the sloppy basketball i think by absolutely by december by christmas uh, basketball fans and maybe new basketball fans are going to be so happy that this is just on mm-hmm. and it's a distraction from really the you know miserable things that have have taken over our world right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, from 2020. I, I, so I I think that we started off fresh though. We got Biden now. We got, we got the, NBA, the NBA restart all before the new year. We're doing well. We had a pretty good weekend. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, I know I never drank that much champagne. As I <laughs> My concern is more about the health of the players, and I'm going to forgive that the games in December and January while teams are learning who's there, what's going on, but I do think there is a question about health, and Shep, let's start it with you. You have teams who played in the bubble, some who played right into October and maybe don't have time for regeneration of their athletic bodies. Then we have these other teams, uh, and I guess the the Nets were there, but... uh, 
you know, say um, Detroit Pistons, mm-hmm. uh, Washington Wizards mm-hmm. th- th- come to mind. They haven't played since March. Mm-hmm. They've been practicing. They've been in, at their facilities. But who is more at risk to get injured when intense basketball competition starts again? I think the guys that have been off for the extended period of time because you can't ever simulate five on five play that level of intensity that level of that competitive nature is is hard to substitute so I think you know those guys are definitely in at a disadvantage in a sense I mean you could be in shape as you could be in great shape and I, and hopefully those guys took the time not only to be in shape but to you know hone their craft and develop some of the skills or or their weaknesses so they can come back stronger once they're at once they're at full capacity but you know the guys that have just have just recently left the bubble their bodies are still geared up right and these guys have an obligation to take care of their bodies so um how, I, on the contrary how long would you say it takes to get out of shape a week a week a week say it's quick man a week it is a quick week. Yeah. it's yeah. a quick turnaround yeah yeah you don't practice you have a couple of beers maybe a plate of spaghetti and bam your heart gone. rate just you're gone skyrockets yeah so basically you become like the rest of us you yeah. go from essentially professional athlete into normal human being i mean shep and i can attest to that in terms of staying in shape in the summertime versus when you get to europe mm-hmm. or when you get to your professional setting mm-hmm. You think you're you're in good shape because you're getting in the gym, you're getting a sweat, you know, you're you're working out for an hour and a half and you feel good. But when you get to that setting, the five on five, you know, coaches yelling at you, defenses, defense is a real thing. Right. Not for some of us, but it's a real thing (laughs) in general. And uh, and, and your legs are you're just not prepared for that. Your mind, your body connection, it's not sync. It's not synced up yet. It's and it's funny you say that because being in shape, there's different there's different. How should I put there's different lanes of it because. Even, you know, you've played multiple positions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And even a guy that's playing on the perimeter, mm-hmm. he's somewhat out of shape if he shifts positions and now is playing the point guard. I agree. It's different routes that you run, different muscles that you use. Yeah. And you, I remember when I was at school, um, football players would come and play basketball. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would go on the field or, or vice versa or, you know, we'll go kick the ball on the soccer field. Mm-hmm. And no matter how in shape you are at the peak of our collegiate careers, when you transfer over to another sport, you're out of shape. Oh yeah, right. So it, you know, it's being in shape is it's something it's interesting. And, and Alex McKechnie, shout out Alex McKechnie again. He would have the more the science to that and, and sure. what goes into that. But again, like just different routes, different cuts, different muscles that you use all come into play. So it's tough. You know, I uh, I traveled uh, with the Toronto Raptors for 14 seasons, and of those 14 years. 13 of them were the 82-game schedule. There was the 66-game the schedule in the, uh, a lockout year. Um, the traveling just, it takes, it takes its toll. Massive. There's just, there's no way to sit here and say it's not tiring, it's not exhausting. Mm-hmm. It is unnatural yeah. for the human body to be sitting on airplanes, to be covering that distance. You know, a 72-game schedule, it's 10 games less, but... It's a. It's going to be tighter because they're used to starting at the end of October. Now they're starting end of mm-hmm. December. There's. There's going to be back to backs. Th- these guys are used to now the bubble, where they might have played sometimes back to back days or every other day. But the but game challenge. ended. You went back to your accommodations and yeah. you chilled. Yeah. So 
is there going to be any difficulty with reacclimating to that to that NBA travel schedule? Absolutely. I mean, I remember times when I was with New York, we'd go from Phoenix to Portland to Dallas, and then we wind up in Utah, and I'd wake up and be like, "Where the fuck am I?" <laughs> no bullshit. Like where? Like where yeah. am I? And you know, the, the room is dark. You wake up, you see it's eight o'clock. You know, your 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 watch is on a whole different time frame. Um, and not to mention the inflammation that your body takes on when you travel. You know, your body blows up when you get in the air. That's why you see a lot of guys wearing compression socks, compression tights, et cetera, et cetera. So it does. It 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 almost it's almost physically as taxing as playing in a way. Um, and and I think it's going to make a major difference. I think that's why we saw such competitive, explosive basketball in the bubble. Part of the reason. I think that's why we saw a lot of guys stay healthy. Um, and and who know? I don't know what the schedule is going to be like. Are they going to play multiple games in a bubble site? It, is that a thing? I, I haven't seen anything about a bubble site. I'm so they're going to sh- do it like the NFL, hypothetically, where they're just traveling city so, to city. That's what baseball did. Yeah. It's, well, it's, we saw what happened with baseball. It's, <laughs> it's funny you say that about the traveling because over the recent years, they tried to limit the number of back-to-back games. Yes. And I, right. I think you know, about five years ago, they had a, roughly 19, and they had gotten it down to 12 mm-hmm. consecutive games. And this year, with the seventy-two game season condensed, they're mm-hmm. looking at tripling that that number. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything you're talking about wild. is going to be amplified yeah. going forward in the in this season. Yeah. So, guys are going to really have to take care of their body. Yeah. Well, one one thing that I have seen floated in uh, in looking this up is the idea of once you have traveled, you kind of st- maybe you stay there a bit. And and I, I've been on those West Coast trips that you're talking about. I, I remember doing that West Coast. Five games in seven days. You you don't know where you are. No, and, and and there's there's hurting aspects of it. Like you you have a Sunday game in L.A., and then you have to play in Monday uh, in Denver on Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's a two hour flight L.A. to Denver. You lose an hour, and it's a forty five minute drive from yep. the airport. Oh yeah, and and all of a sudden you're playing a game, and it it would be hard to imagine them setting it up like that again this year. But that opens a whole other question of. If you go to LA, if you go to Denver, do you stay in do, do you just play some extra games? Mm-hmm. I mean, does maybe say you're the New York Knicks, maybe you skip playing um Charlotte this year, mm-hmm. but you're out in LA and you play the Lakers twice mm-hmm. and the Clippers once while play you're there and you're just kind of there for 6 days and I don't know if that really bubbles it that much, but maybe there's less travel involved and maybe that reduces some risk. Yeah, I think they're going to make it as feasible and agreeable as possible for the players. I think they're going to really cater to the players in terms of, you know, what how can they get the most productivity out of them while keeping them healthy. And I think that would be a really good idea, actually, is to play multiple games in one location while limiting travel, not only because of potential injuries, but because of COVID. COVID That's yeah. still a real thing. Um, I know a lot of teams in Europe right now, uh, I hate to keep bringing up Europe, but, I mean, this is, you know, how I – relate to basketball in my professional setting and, and Javon as well, but yeah. these guys are traveling commercially mm-hmm. and every week there's yeah. three or four positive cases on each team. Mm-hmm. It's it's undeniable that it's going to happen. It's just a strictly, it's, it's to keep the monetary compensation going for the clubs. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why they're still going is, is they're driven by money. So right. it's going to be tough to see what happens with, with the exception of, you know, a, a vaccine. I think that this is going to be the most uh, most feasible thing to do for them. Uh, how how are how are players going to stay safe? You know, we will have the charter planes that that seems 
safe relatively, but even that, just picturing, you know, the all, all the players, all the team personnel, the flight attendants, the pilots, everybody wearing a mask. I, I don't want to go on and on about it too much, but to me, that is still part of the exhaustion it, of this whole thing. It's just yeah. mentally, oh, I have to wear a mask for another four hours, mm. you know. But um, what about when they're in when you're when you're in L.A. You know, you're a player, you've flown in, you're staying in L.A. for a few days, or you're in Miami, or you're even in Salt Lake City. You're just, you're not going to sit in the hotel room by yourself every night, are you? You know what, I think that you have to put basketball aside there, because at that point you have to think health of yourself and for your, your family first and foremost, and... Um, you should be, whether you're home or whether you're on the road, mm-hmm. um, you would need to be taking the necessary protocol to keep yourself protected and, and, and family. So I understand what you're saying from that sense. If you fly into L.A., hey, we all want to go have a drink or, or sure. get on a patio. But at the same time, bigger than basketball, I have my when I return home, I have a family, I have kids and so forth. That, mm-hmm. um, for you're, you're protecting and that's your priority. So I, I think it's at that point your decisions you're making are mm-hmm. bigger than the game or the NBA itself. I'd, I'd be curious to see if they would do things in like a team setting, like where everybody goes to do something. So they know they have eyes on guys, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I would be more concerned about guys that are home that aren't traveling, you know, when you're the home team, because you're going to stay in the hotel. You know, you, you're able to have eyes on guys. Maybe they'll do the ring situation that they did in the bubble where they can keep tabs on guys. Uh, but the guys that are home, I feel like is the, is the big concern, that freedom that you have yeah. there. Cause you're not going to be, at the hotel when you're at home. Shit, at this at this rate, the the priority should be your just being home and recovering. I agree. Like getting into completely and, and yeah, treatment yeah. and so forth. So I don't even know if there's going to be time to yeah. to really. Plus, be there's out nowhere to go out there and party like that anyway, is there? Right. Yeah, I mean, partying no, but still, you're it, look. The NBA season's a grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know, going out for a coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Th- there, you just you don't really know the city as well as your home. Um, maybe you need to go buy a shirt. You you're you don't have you're out of socks or something. But at this at this point at this point, all socks these things have shirts. happened to me. All these things. <laughs> I have to buy socks and shirts. And you can't access the equipment manager that easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you should be masked up and just you know protecting yourself. At, at the end I of the day, so. I mean, you can't have these guys caged up and just like we don't. You need a walk. You need fresh air. I think yeah. that also has you know health ramifications you can just being boxed into to a hole so uh, it's, and look if you're making the type of money they are i mean it's you can do it yeah you know <laughs> like let's be honest yeah. yeah and i mean look they're doing it for the money but that's that's why we're let's be clear every time i got on a flight to go overseas it was for the bag <laughs> yeah that's for sure i cried myself all the way to the airport but i, I never turned back never. so exactly good smart hey i, I would have done the same thing in fact i still would if any Basketball teams in Europe need a a TV producer or podcast guy. I'm there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, l- let's go to one of, the, one of the stories that I think is central to this NBA season. And it's, 
it's going to heat up until we know. You know, here in Toronto, it's it's. I feel like it's just not being talked about that much. I guess because COVID, this and the U.S. election, that. But where are the Raptors going to play? Yeah, I don't see how they can play games in Toronto until there is an established 100% rapid test, which is something I have not heard of existing. Mm-hmm. So we are under 60 days away now to the start of the NBA season. I feel like the same thing happened with the Jays. We, we didn't really know until the week before, and then all of a sudden they were playing in Buffalo. But there are certain issues involved. You know, are they going to go live in another city and then you have to pay for accommodations for everyone for the entire season? You know, are they going to go live in Louisville or Kansas City for six months and have to get apartments for everybody? I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a huge cost. I don't know if the team would swallow it. The league would part- participate in that. But, what I mean... What do you think? What What do you think is going to happen, Shep? Are, are the Raptors going to play in Toronto? Or are they I'm, going to the states? I'm just going to be controversial here, just because. And I think they're playing home. I think they're playing home, and I think you're going to have cooperation from the Canadian government in allowing them to to play at home. No, what makes you think that they wouldn't do it for the Blue Jays? Just because I want to, I want to talk some shit. There you go. I want to <laughs> talk some shit. I like that. The defending champs, they were or were the defending champs, and, and here we are. So I think, yeah, no, I think they're coming through. I think they're going to be playing home, and I think you know I've heard whispers of the the rapid testing, and I don't think if that was a potential. That we they wouldn't be having that conversation. I know this week they did have a meeting to see if it was if it was potentially possible. Um, and knowing all that we know now, if it wasn't a possibility, that conversation wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. So I, I err on the side of them of them having it here. You know, the rapid testing is is something that's in the mix. Um, and again, like in the event that they don't, I, I would hope that you know the team is not in a, in a whole another time zone because there is a conversation of. Potentially, I know the NBA eventually want to have some fans this season. Now, if you relocate them, it's compromising, you know, their competitive wonder of their fan base. And then from a competitive standpoint, because now, you know, this is the lone Canadian team in America. It's not going to be their their natural fan base. So I do think we're going to we're going to be we're going to be home or the Raptors are going to be home rather. AR? I I don't know. I don't know if it's feasible. I don't know if it's feasible to come in the country if there's no if rapid testing isn't available to quarantine for ten days each time you come in and out. Um, but I also don't like the sound of fucking the but Toronto, what, okay, Kansas so, City Raptors, no, or the fucking Nashville Raptors, or something like that. It's to me, to me, it would, it would, it would kind of deteriorate the fabric of, of what the Raptors are. Now, I also say this is that I, the borders. I don't know what the situation is there if they're supposed to be closed or not, but I know of people that have come into Toronto that mm-hmm. are that are American and so forth. And they, don't, they don't have the health care that the NBA teams have or the protocols that mm-hmm. they do. So if these people are coming through, you might as well let, you know, an NBA team that's taking a lot more safe measures mm-hmm. have the resources mm-hmm. that can be protected from, you know. And plus, when they charter, when they charter, it, you know, DG, I'm sure as you know, uh, like th- their travel is much different than Commercial, commercial than what we're used to right you know, they, so. they show up to the airport in a whole different wing you know they go on the airplane you know with their own private security so to me as long as the pilots are being tested you know as long as the uh the stewardesses are being tested like i think 
it's a vi- I think it's a viable option. I just don't know if if the government will agree to it because of their stance on it between the the states in, in Canada right well, now. Well, the, the short time frame, I think, helps logistically force the government to make a decision real quick, as opposed to giving them yeah. time to to sit on it. So I'm I'm going. They're going to be here. They're going to be here. I, look, I I think the government's mind is made up, and if you cross the border. You have to do a mandatory, mandatory. two-week quarantine. Yeah. I don't think there is any way around it. And look, if there is a rapid test, great, and and administer it when they land. But you know what? If that's the case, I want a rapid test too. Right. And it would be I a bad to, look. I want to be able to take the rapid test yeah. this morning right. before I leave home, before yeah. I go to the grocery store, before yeah. I come here and do the podcast with you guys. And uh, it would set a bad precedence. You know, yeah, it, it 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 it's not a good look if the Raptors get it and the rest of the country doesn't. Yeah. I, I just think it's with, never it's never a good look. But once once it's generating revenue, people turn up. True enough. Eyes, yeah. so. True enough. All I know is the the Blue Jays uh, were not granted this. Yeah. Toronto FC they've been playing. I think in fair enough. But that was also earlier in the. But it's worse now. It is it worse in Canada? Or are we testing more? Ooh. Okay. It might be relative. Yeah, it might be relative. So I think there's there's still just so much. Republican, (laughs) you are out, sir. Well, uh, I don't know what one way or the other uh, the Raptors are going to play. Here's what I'm going to say: I think that they're going to have somewhat of a flex schedule. Mm. So maybe the first ten home quote home games will be somewhere else. With an opening that th- there can things can be improved or things can change, and maybe they don't open at home December twenty second, but maybe they are playing home games by February the first. Mm-hmm. I, I I would be surprised if an entire season's NBA schedule comes out at some point. I think there, there's going to be flexibility there. Okay, that that leads uh, leads us into something that something new I want to try today. It's going to be called. This day in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. And I I worked for the Raptors for uh, 18 years, from 2001 to 2019. I went to almost every game during that period. So, November 12th, 2012, eight years ago, there was a triple overtime game at what was then called the Air Canada Centre. Um, there were game-tying shots in the overtimes with under 10 or 7 seconds left. I remember Al Jefferson hitting a tying shot for Utah. John Lucas the third, who played for the Raptors a little bit that year, he hit, he hit a game-tying shot. DeMar DeRozan scored 37 points, played 60 minutes, which I believe is still a record for one game for, for a Raptor. Um, Jose Calderon, 20 points, 17 assists. But it was Paul Millsap. Still in the game today, still you know on a, on a really good team now with the Denver Nuggets, but he had 34 points. The Raptors lost 140-133, triple overtime to Utah, and then we all had to get on the plane and fly to Indiana for the game the next day, which somehow the Raptors won that game, uh, which brought them, I think, at that point to 2-6. and six. I, I think it's interesting to bring up that year because that is the last year that the Raptors did not make the playoffs. Wow. So it's been seven straight years since, and that was really that year the Rudy Gay... Actually, the Rudy Gay trade happened the fall. They brought in Rudy Gay that year and then traded him the next year. But mm. it was uh, definitely an interesting time for the Raptors. Dwayne Casey was kind of bringing the team back. Lowry and DeRozan were really just getting their sea legs. Anyway, that is today, 
this day in Toronto Raptors history. Uh, I'm going to hashtag it. I got to figure out how to say it here. T D I T R H. This nice. day in Toronto Raptors well history. So check it out. And uh, thanks for indulging me. A uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Henderson Brewery in Toronto. The best beer is the beer you love. Okay, back to the modern day, current day NBA. And I think free agency, um, one of you guys touched on it a little bit earlier. And it's going to be something that comes up. And it's going to be big and it's going to be quick. And it looks like there might be a domino effect. It's going to start with Antetokounmpo. Um, the Supermax, he can sign it already, but I think the question is, is he going to sign it? Ooh. Shep, is Giannis going to stay in Milwaukee? And if he does, does <sighs> he make tough. the commitment this year? This is tough. I think, you know, one, it depends on the promise that Milwaukee is, is giving to him. And what, what are the, what's the agenda? What direction are they going in? But I do think if it's up to Giannis, he's staying. And if I, Just because I, I know the culture of, he didn't, he didn't grow up in America. Right, and the culture, European, Andy, as you know, the European culture, way of, you know, culture of basketball, they're they're indebted, they're very sure. devout people, uh, and I think where Giannis is concerned, if you look at even Manu Ginobili, or if you're looking at Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. those guys stuck it through with mm-hmm. the teams that drafted them and, and, exactly. and, and yeah. pushed through with them. So, I think you I know, I, I think Giannis stays. I think he stays, and I, I think it more so has to do with. Who he is as a person and cult came up culturally as opposed to just money and team per se. I mean, I would like to stir up some shit and disagree with you. Oh, no, but I I really do feel like that that's the case. Right, yeah. I mean, Giannis coming from from Greece, I mean, 247 mil. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. He could do whatever. He could (laughs) buy Greece. He could buy buy Greece. (laughs) He Uh, he he will be the king of (laughs) Athens. Yeah. So, in my opinion, he comes from very humble uh, beginnings. The Bucks gave him a chance. Um, the organization was very kind to him from everything I've read in, in, his, in his start in Milwaukee. Um, they nurtured him. They cared for him. And I think he wants to give back to that community. Um, and I think he's one of those guys that doesn't want it the easy way. I, I think he's made that very clear. They need to do a good job of surrounding him with the pieces that he needs. Well, and that's the key. There. And that, that's the key. He, need, he, needs, he needs guys to show up come crunch time he needs shooters around him uh that's something obviously he's working on himself uh, i know he's he's working on making his game more of an all-around uh tailored to the all-around game you know developing his jump shot his three-point game but he needs those he needs those caldwell popes he, he needs those carusos around him he needs those those guys that are going to be well, willing he could to just go to la and he'd have he them could as he could well as LeBron. but that's the whole thing is that Giannis is he has that backbone that, that shep was talking about he, he wants he wants to bring the glory to Milwaukee as opposed to going to chase it somewhere else. Hold on. You threw me off, but Caruso, right? <laughs> I actually read the other day, and we both played for Gordy Herbert in Frankfurt. No, no, no. I read that too. Yeah. I read that yes, too. Yes, he yes, said yes, he was yes. almost on his way out. On his way. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to Frankfurt, though. Frankfurt. It was a team in Germany, and he said it was a Canadian coach. So you played for Gordy as well? I played for Gordy two years before you did. Was, yeah, so we both played for Gordy in Frankfurt. Yes, sir. So, which was one of my best experiences. I love, love Gordon. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a space cadet, but he's a, I absolutely love him. I love him. But yeah, you guys, he, that would have probably been your time. So you guys probably would have played together. Could you imagine you and Caruso? I couldn't have seen Caruso in, in Frankfurt, though. I mean, everybody has humble beginnings in Europe, uh-huh. but I I think he's just a leaguer. He's built differently than most most of the guys. That, it's it's crazy, but you know as well as that that line. There's a thin line timing between and opportunity, man. timing and opportunity, yep. and then. 
sometimes we get caught up in the the NBA and think like these guys are out the world and yeah. but there is a, a thin line between your you know your elite European players mm. and your role playing NBA guys. So it's you know well, I'm, I'm seeing I'm a lot surprised. of names out there who are who just on random teams. Exactly. I mean, you see OJ Mayo now is out there in, in China somewhere. Yes. I mean, when's the last time you heard of OJ Mayo? You know, um, what's his name? He played would, for won a chip with Miami. The point guard. Oh, Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers. Wound up in Ike in I, Athens. Yeah. Norris Cole. Norris Cole's out oh, there yeah, in I France. That. I was like, Hold Norris on, Cole wait. actually got into some shit. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Nanterre, I believe, is it? No, or maybe he's Limoges. One of the top league uh, French teams he's he's playing for. Uh, they didn't they didn't declare him positive after they tested him before the game. So he went through the whole pregame warmups, shook hands with the other team. The other team wound up having three or four positive cases. Yeah, and it was Norris. You could see him on you could see him on the on the film just slapping hands with everybody. It was like watching this guy from the Los Angeles Dodgers take his max down slow motion just (laughs) terror. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I I I'm you know, circling back, I I think that uh I think that Giannis stays. Can can I say how impressed I am, how you how closely the both of you are following European basketball. Well, that's going to be the next kind podcast. of ingrained in us, I think, man. Yes, it's your default. <laughs> so you're going to have to it tell is. me. Yeah. I need the sites where to look. It's right. Except Andy played with Caruso for three seasons. <laughs> didn't know because Caruso had hair. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I'm I'm not ready to say Antetokounmpo is going to resign. Um, where do you think has which which well, team do you think let, has the me, best opportunity to sign him? What I first think is. I don't think he's going to resign this year. Okay. He's still under contract for the year, and I think he does want, and I, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to check out the market. And yes, Milwaukee's going to be able to offer the most money, but honestly, if Milwaukee can offer $247 million, the Lakers can probably offer 200 and something million. But then you saw, you saw, uh, uh, What's his fucking I think name? He signed right you now. saw Kuzma say he's not accepting anything less than a bag. Yeah, well, and then you see Caldwell Pope, he's not going to opt back in. He wants to get paid well too. Okay. So I mean, like, okay, yeah, you you have your the money. Do, do you do you bring back the pieces that won you a championship, or do you go for well, a guy like Giannis see, who hasn't? This is why Antetokounmpo is such a question uh-huh. because do LeBron he, and him even make sense? The, I saw something that no. him and uh, Doncic could make sense. Oh, I like that. Like D- Dallas, oh, Dallas like is out there. That. Ultimately, you want to have the best players yeah. playing together, right? But if, if Antetokounmpo makes a decision now or next year, it affects what so many other teams do because so many other teams then think they're in the sweepstakes oh, yeah. for him for next year. a lot of cap space for him if, right if now. If you're yeah. the Lakers and Kuzma and Caldwell Pope, like all, all respect, they're nice players, but... LeBron and AD so, really don't give a shit who's there with them. So then you have LeBron, AD, and Giannis. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see, I don't that see happening. it happening. I mean, it's but like, if I'm it's, Giannis, it's, it's if like I'm repeat. Giannis, there's no guarantee AD will stay next year. He's a free agent after next he's year. He's staying. No, he's staying. Because even in the playoffs, he said I remember, he hit one of those back. game-winning shots, and in his in his presser, he said this This is what they brought me here for. And I was a little taken aback by yeah, that because yeah, yeah. LeBron is still on his team. Yeah, LeBron's still here. <laughs> and he was but, talking about his own legacy. Right. Oh, this oh, is my God. legacy. This is what they brought me here for. So yeah. that that suggests to me that there's a there's a long term picture here. So and plus, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, yeah. like come back yeah. and win another one. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're Giannis, apply pressure to to Milwaukee. Like force them to to do some shit. Force them to make some changes. Sure. Force them oh, to put those pieces they, into place. They they know what they have to do. I mean. Chris Middleton as your second best player—that that's I, nice. I like Chris Middleton sure. a lot. 
but you're not winning the NBA but championship with AD. him as your number two. Right. He's, he's the not. Lakers had AD as number two. Yeah. The Bucks had Chris Middleton and uh, the Raptors ate Middleton alive in uh, the East Finals in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he did not have a good series there, and I you know I don't know that he did much in uh, in the in bubble ball or or this year. And the facts are the Bucks have lost. They need help. One name that is out there who I think would really help them, although he's had some injury issues, but he's still a young guy. Is Victor Oladipo? Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a situation with the Indiana Pacers, you know. Is he going to resign? Is he on the trade block? Is is there a situation for Victor Oladipo that helps the Bucks, but also gets him out of Indiana? Where you know that whole situation, they they might be. I don't want to say blowing it up, but he might not be the piece that they need there. You know, maybe he goes to Indiana and he's the number two instead of being the, the number I don't think one he's the number one. I don't think he ever was a number yeah, one, if I'm being honest. He kind of is. He's, he's, a, he's a small market number sure. one, for so sure. So maybe he goes to the Bucks, and he can be and a glorified a number reliable, two. He, I, I would take him over Middleton. I, I agree. I agree so, with see, that. But we're banking on him coming back to his full yeah. His full right. capacity of True. playing at that level. Like Bust he, out some stats for me. I know he, you got him right there. No stats. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, he he's a guy that was giving you two. He was consistently Indiana's all star and gave him some pretty good. Before before in 2017, he went he went from averaging 23 points a game out to a limited run in, in 2019 in 19 games, averaging 14. So uh, to me, to me, it just goes to sh- his his value has gone down with his injury. He's a yeah. very explosive player, and having the type of injury that he has, it's hard to rely on that going forward. Not to say that he's not going to be juiced up to get back in there and play, and he's not capable of playing at a high level. But I just don't think you're the same type of player, especially given the fact that you were a borderline superstar at that. But point. are we ma- okay? That and m- m- I'm going to n- make the comparison to Durant, not because they're the same level of player. Obviously, they're not. But, but who knows how Katie's going to come back? Who knows? But, but we've that, seen we've that, seen Vic in action. We've seen that him in action. Gamble has been has been taken yeah. on Durant. Mm-hmm. You know, Oladipo is only like twenty eight. There still has to be a good five, oh. six, seven years in there. No, I'm a huge Vic fan too. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I think he's okay. I think he's okay. I think he he was just like you said, yeah. small market, the best player in a small market team. Right. I actually think the best des- destination for him and more most likely would be somewhere like NLA, like a, a, yeah, a contender already, yep. as opposed to going somewhere where he has to do 100%. heavy lifting. I yeah. think if you're, if you're banking on him going somewhere that has to do some heavy lifting, mm-hmm. you're also banking on him staying healthy. And I think that's, that's the risk with him. So, um, who's to even say he'll be able to give you 20 points coming back from, from injury, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty much, riddled him the last couple of years i like bringing guys in like like drew holiday you know you get that defensive mentality Mm -hmm. on one side of the ball you get a facilitator as well you bring in peace because let's be honest with you not a lot of superstars are going to want to go to milwaukee just because it's milwaukee (laughs) no but they have to be seeing an opportunity to win and to be a difference maker in that sure so there's a really good opportunity they need players I, i i like the drew holiday uh i like that you brought him up i mean We've talked about him, and I've I've watched this guy for years. Everywhere he goes, he's yes, a great exactly. player. Yeah, yeah. But they always seem to move him. Yeah. Um, I think he would he would really help out Mil. But I, I think if Milwaukee could somehow pull off maneuvers to get Oladipo, Andrew Holiday, and keep Middleton, I think a that's a pretty competitive team in the East, and b Giannis can't leave when you've done that. Yeah, I agree. 
You know, I mean, th- those are you replacing replacing a guy like Brogdon who had big success in Milwaukee before he took off for for Indiana. So I think, you know, when you're trying to build a winning team, you need to not just build the guys that can provide stats. I mean, but guys that are proven Los Angeles, right? Proven, proven winners in a sense. Um, so, I think I love Drew Holiday, but and I love um, what who are we talking about um, from India? Oladipo. Oladipo. Love Drew Holiday. Love Oladipo. But these guys haven't proven to win yet mm-hmm. on a big stage. So I don't know how much they help a Milwaukee. But who are you going to get that that has? Is a proven winner. I mean, is Kuz? Do you bring Kuzma to Milwaukee, or do you save you save some money and hold out until until next year? But then you lose. You may lose. You ha- right. You got to do something. And, and Tadakumpo doesn't want to wait till the twenty two playoffs. The the twenty. And this is why I think he won't sign yet. He still has all the leverage, and he knows that a year from now, or whatever, however the calendar works out. He's going to get that super max offer. There's no way around it. He's a two-time MVP. He took a team that was nowhere to first place in the East. So he has all the leverage there. I think Milwaukee absolutely they can't go into this year without making upgrades to that roster. There's some really interesting pieces out there that I think could complement Giannis really well. One of those being Danilo Gallinari. You pick and pop four. You, you can stretch the floor. He, I think he, he has can, some jewels. He balled in OKC this year. He did. He played really well. There's a guy who gets injured all the time. Yeah, I mean, okay. but you don't have to. Team. You don't have to pay him out. He's a guy who yeah, can who true. can who can He's a safe, play. He's safe bet. Exactly. And then there's guys like Bertans, another pick and pop four. Uh, Gordon Hayward. I'm mentioning all these white is guys. Is Hayward? <laughs> <laughs> Demar, Demar, DeRozan, Demar Derozan is still out there as well. Let's not forget about Demar. I He's actually, very unhappy in San Antonio. A list that came out recently where he was tenth on. And in ranking of the free agents, yeah, the current free agents was actually funny because Fred Van Fleet, who was like third on yeah, that list, a, yeah. was his backup. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, so how wild is that? It's crazy how fast things turn you around. You want wild? Oh, sorry, you want wild? You you have Van Vliet and DeRozan on Milwaukee, I know, right? or that sets up a compelling. Or you bring back Demar to Toronto. What does that do? Interesting. I'm not mad at that. I'm showing out now. Interesting. But what does Demar do when he gets here? Does he resume his old status as as no. the guy on the team? And I think because I think he would, it would be hard to revert back to anything less than that. I'm just being controversial, but I don't think you can bring it back <laughs> for that reason. Is because now you're amongst the same guys that you pretty much groomed and took under your wing, right? Who have it's not bloomed. like it's not like I'm three, four, five years older. I'm actually the same. I'm coming back the same player, pretty much the same age. Yeah. And then now these guys who I groomed are. Are my are the guys I I'm looking up to are the guys I'm following? It'll be tough mentally for him to accept that. Eh? To yeah. accept that yeah. for anybody, just ego and just you know. I I understand that. I I get that. And and there's a little bit of like we won the championship without you. Then and having now, to play with that pressure and now, all like, over it, again. So can I take that ill-advised shot now, or do I have to like? <laughs> so there's so many variables. And then I was under Casey. Right? right, like so now there's nurse and nurses really dictating like no look we're doing things this way. Yeah, I mean it would be interesting to see him play for Nick in a different capacity mm-hmm. than just an offensive coach. Yeah, it's you know Dwayne was more a little bit more. Defensive. I loved I loved my time playing with for Dwayne and uh-huh. I thought he was an excellent coach. He's a little bit more militant, a little bit more by the book. Uh-huh. But to have freedom and flexibility under Nick and a guy who's a little bit more understanding about egos and 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 guys feelings off the floor mm-hmm. in my opinion i think that that he might be a little bit more successful you, in the second time around. I, i'm gonna come out you, you think you're stirring up shit 
I think if you bring DeRozan back to Toronto, he's in play for sixth man of the year. Ooh. Because you're not starting him. There's no way he can start. You have Siakam, Lowry, possibly Van Vliet, Mm -hmm. Norm Powell. Think of that, yo. Siakam Rosen coming off the bench. Siakam was in the G League, pre- bouncing back and forth between the G League, and now you're he's saying, not doing that. And now you're saying Demar has to come off the bench to him. He's not coming off the bench anywhere. I see Mark, him. I see not? him. I see him having that mellow moment. No, why not I don't think so. Where he I don't just think refuses. He Lou Williams. I mean, there he, he learned from. He that. did, but he was a franchise guy for years. But it didn't work. It didn't work. But he's still that guy. He's not a franchise. He's still a bucket. Guy. Who? He's still handsomely paid. And in his mind, he's the guy everywhere he goes. In yeah. San Antonio, he couldn't be, I think, because of the system, because of playing for Pop and the style of basketball. I think he's a bit more mature and that he'll understand what's happening. And as well, he'd understand that this is a champ- This was a championship team. So, mm-hmm. And they understand changed. he still can't shoot the three. And so, he was never at... Like, hey, bucket, those guys that have that trouble are at like... At mellow level, like those are like the elite of the elites. Demar was never one or two in the in the league. There, there was conversations at at so at the peak of Melo's career where it's okay him or Bron, and it's all subjective at that yeah. point. Look, Demar it, it, was your he was still your top ten guys or your top fifteen top conversation, yeah. but he was never right one through five. Right. So he was a super elite, player. right? So I think it's a lot easier for somebody like that to accept. If if you're Demar Derozan and you're looking for an escape from San Antonio, and in your heart you'd love to get back to Toronto, and the opportunity there is for you. Look, twenty five minutes off the bench. It could extend his career. Mm-hmm. It could get him back on a win, a really winning program. He's the kind of guy who I think could say, you know, yeah, I'm going to swallow it. I'll take that. I will take on that role and do it to the best of my ability. Lou Williams has been do has been living off it for 20 years. And you, you know, Demar is a loyal guy. He has a lot of love for Toronto. Toronto loves him fiercely. Toronto I think it would be a welcome and, reunion in all yeah. all aspects. And he loves Toronto. I remember when he first got it. When he first got it. Good God, English. When he first got COVID, traded. Baby. University of Michigan. <laughs> University of Michigan. <laughs> English 101. <laughs> when he first got traded, um, I'd, I'd let some time go by and I sent him a message. Actually, it was through Instagram and I sent him a message just to, you know, you know commend him for everything that he did here and just show your appreciation, right? Because mm-hmm. there was times where we all even went to workouts mm-hmm. and he was always welcoming, had good runs and stuff mm-hmm. and so forth. So just sent him a, a note and you could actually hear the hurt or just read the hurt in mm-hmm. his in his response back and just saying, like, he pretty much grew up here. Like, mm-hmm. this is what he, aside from, because he had never left sure. um, L.A., went to university in L.A. This came was his first. Yeah. He came to Toronto, yeah. 18 years old, and matured yeah. here. So it was, you know, it was tough to actually read that because we played against each other sometimes. We, that's from an athlete standpoint, competitive mm-hmm. nature. But to see the human, the human side, side, yeah. And to see, okay, you know what, this actually meant something to this person. Yeah. Like, this actually meant a lot. Oh yeah, um, it was definitely, definitely, you know, disheartening on my end to see. But um, I'm sure he would be welcome to come back. Look, nobody wanted to see Demar Derozan leave the Raptors. Mm-hmm. It, it just nobody wanted to yeah. see that. He he is. It was synonymous. He's Toronto's DeMar favorite is son. Toronto, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, you know, and and a lot. Uh, the way I found myself saying it sometimes was his final act for Toronto to help Toronto win the championship was to be the guy in the yeah, trade for yeah, Kawhi. And yeah. From basketball terms, you'd do it 99 out of 100 times. And at some point, hopefully, 
for his own happiness to get past that if he would be happy here again it it would be great you know l- let's let's take a sec while we're talking about the raptors again uh fred van vliet i think you said he's you saw him on a list as the third most the third coveted most, free agent this yeah. year so what's he what's what's he doing i i i think he's staying here at this point for a while i thought he was going to go to milwaukee or go to Chicago or even I remember you were keen on that because yeah. you you said there was a finite amount of time that these athletes have to make the money that they're yeah. capable of making. Yeah. Well, look, the contract Fred Van Vliet gets right now is going to be the biggest contract of right. his life. Right. So yeah. he has to maximize from it. a business standpoint. It, it, yeah, but yeah. Are, so are the Raptors? I I don't think the Raptors want the hit of losing Fred Van Vliet. I don't think that would look great for the organization, especially because he's a he's a he's a nine hundred five guy. He came uh, up through the system. Came up through the system, won a championship. Uh, exactly. You know, he's got roots here, and, and he's a fan favorite. You know, the whole bet on yourself movement was yeah. created in Toronto. So a lot of people vibe with that. I know my younger brother lives by that code just because of Fred, you know, and and he's one of those guys who, who who's an underdog as well. And he sees himself, you know, coming up the same way Fred did. Mm-hmm. So he inspires a lot of people in the city and in the fastest growing basketball city in the world. I think he's a very valuable person to have. You know, as a as a human here, as as not not only the basketball player Fred Van Fleet, but what he does for the city on a human level too. Well, there's no question about that, and it's it's going to come down to what's the cost of that, right? right. How does that work with everything else? But is there a scenario for him as an athlete and a person that would work for him that you think outside of Toronto? Is Toronto like what you just said, Andy? That's what's best for the Raptors. Mm. Like you made the case why they should keep him, mm-hmm. and I can't disagree. Think, is there a better case for Fred? I think when you have the opportunity to go home as well as make that money, it's it's always hard to turn down. So in that case, you know, a team like Chicago that is actually building ground up, mm-hmm. new GM, new coach, new, you know, and, and reviving that. Reviving that yeah. have, he'd have the keys to the franchise. He'd have the as a Chicago guy. As Ooh. a Chicago guy. Yeah. So Absolutely. That's very appealing. That's appealing. Yeah. That's appealing. But now... You know, you throw, I, and I'll say this: I think if Fred leaves, that's also telling as to what Masai is going to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's that, that'll be telling. I mean, we, he he came out and said that that was their their biggest priority was to bring Fred back. That's the biggest priority, big Fred back. I think they've bring that core back, and I think the fact that they've had success together and they they've tasted victory um, on an, on the biggest stage will take precedence. So it's it's. I'll be honest you with you too. I don't. I don't. So I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, sure. no. I, I don't. I don't know if Toronto will be the same team without Fred. He's he is he is every bit the facilitator that Kyle is when, when he's not on the floor, and and even maybe even more so because in my experience with them in a very short period of time, you know, he gave me the confidence. He gave he gives guys like uh, like Norm confidence. Mm-hmm. He gives guys like Pascal confidence quietly. Mm-hmm. You never see him. He's not boisterous. He's not. You know, outspoken. Uh-huh. He's a quiet leader, and he's brought that everywhere with him. You know, from Wichita State to oh wait, no, he didn't play Wichita State. It was Wichita State, yeah. and he, they've had Final success four. there. Final Six, four. Final there four. Too. That's what I'm so saying. He's a winner. He's a he's, he's a, a glorified winner. No winner. Now that's that's the pedigree there. I was saying that pedigree. Yes, that Milwaukee needs to badly, badly, mm-hmm. right? So the Drew Holidays of the world are, are great players. Um, the uh, all the Depots are great, but. Van Fleet's a winner. Right? He's been doing his underdog in college. One put them on a on a on a you know on the platform on a mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. Raptors 
not didn't win just win once. When you look at a G League, they won a G League as well. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he's won at every level he's played. He's he's won. And I'm sure I'm sure other teams are looking at that. Like we can we can build around him, right? For sure. I, I don't think anyone's looking at it more than the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee. Fred okay. Van Vliet beat them, and Tedekumpo knows that. He knows that he'd like to have one of those. He's got to be thinking, get me one of those little guards from Toronto. <laughs> I want Lowry. I want Van Vliet. You know, I, I Milwaukee has to make some noise right now to keep Antetokounmpo next year. And if, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm saying I have a, a target, a free agent board. I want Fred Van Vliet as my point guard. I want Victor Oladipo as my wing. If, if Van Vliet's not available, Drew Holiday. If uh, Oladipo's not available, DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. But either way, their interest and their desperation to get them to keep Antetokounmpo drives up the price. And that means Toronto, in order to keep Van Vliet, they're going to have to pay a price they don't necessarily want to pay to keep him. So Let me ask, is Fred the same guy in a different market? I like how you – because I was thinking this. I was thinking this. I think the makeup of this team really helps his stock. I don't know Not to mention the comfortability. Yes. When you have comfortability, you play like a different player. Yes. You know that. Yeah. When you're with a coach that you're familiar with, when you have teammates you play with for several years, you know, when you have a fan base that truly supports you and doesn't question you, you're a different player. I don't know if you if you solely give him the keys to your to your team, he may he's the guy. Because again, we're forgetting he is it's a big league. He, yeah. He's not the he's not the tallest guy, he's not the most physical. He he, he has the mo- he has most a big heart. heart. Yeah. But if you're saying here is our one and only key to this car, drive it and take us to the promised land. I don't know if you're there oh. yet. So I think yeah. the makeup of the Raptors was, yeah. um, you know, beneficial it, to him. Is he a point guard who can, you know, is he Steph Curry? Is he Chris is he Ross? Some of these point guards, they, they take over teams and the teams go into their personality. But in, in Toronto, you know, it's Kyle Lowry. Do I think five years from now, Fred Van Vliet has a similar... I mean, that's his kind of his mentor his, yeah, here in the sure. NBA. So did, did Lowry did, does Lowry work in Toronto because of the other players, because of the culture? Would Lowry have matured into the player? He's had case? the most success you know here by, by a long shot. Sure, by a long he shot. Had, he had time to get there sure. as well. Sure. What, what I'll say there is that Lowry always had that dog in him as well, mm-hmm. too. So uh, I think... At the root of, of both of those guys, there, there's similarities there. So to, to tag along to what you're saying, when you have when allowing Van Fleet to mature and become more poised and, and just grow as a player, you know, my my sentiments here may be premature, right? So just to it, it's hard, it's it's really hard to call it. Um, we only have a few minutes left, guys, and we have to we got to talk about the NBA draft, which is coming up on November 18th. And we, we won't have another podcast until it's happened. So I, I just want to do a, an early look ahead. And I say this looking at you guys, it, myself in a very uncomfortable position. I have watched and followed the NBA draft devoutly since 1986. Mm-hmm. Okay, when uh, Brad Dougherty was the number one pick. Len Bias was number two. This is the, the draft I remember watching for the first time. Okay, yeah. I have followed it closely. But this year, just totally different story, man. There was no March Madness. There were no conference tournaments. No pre-draft. No, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, I I mean, I don't even 
I've never even seen this, the consensus number one, this kid Edwards, never even seen him play. I saw Wiseman play live, and I know LaMelo Ball because of his name. Yeah, or his so, dad. His <laughs> dad. <laughs> Well, I try to ignore the dad, but I, I've seen the brother play, and I think the brother's a nice player, not a great shooter, but definitely has some. You, you, you know what you're hearing is that Lamelo Ball is a better player than Lonzo Ball. Um, I don't know. Let Andy, let me go to you first. Just what are your thoughts as we head in a week from now to the NBA draft? What's going to happen? Who's the number one pick? Are there going to be trades? Can is is there a team in the league that can be better this year based on this draft? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I, I didn't vet that out so much. I just know that from let's say I was a GM in a GM's position this year, I would feel wildly unprepared just because yeah. you can't get you know there's there are such things as the eye test you know that's a huge component of of uh, the NBA draft pre uh, combine is is getting your eyes on these guys in person, seeing how they look physically, how they move in certain spaces. And you can't see that on a Zoom call. And from what I understand, a lot of these kids, you know, their their pre-draft interviews have been very suspect, especially LaMelo. And who knows what kind of strategy they're using, you know, in terms of tanking to get certain teams. But um, all you have really is the body of work that these guys put in to their NCAA year. Mind you, statistically, uh, scouting is as advanced as it's ever been. So I think that helps them in some capacity. But these but weren't big game situations. They right? weren't. They weren't. And plus, you don't get to see these guys against each other, against the top yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it's difficult. I, I I'm I really like Anthony Edwards, though. I love his athleticism, his 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 uh, his ability to play at the rim. Um, I think he's going to be a very special player. Lamelo Ball. I think he's. I've watched a lot of Lamelo. I've watched him like progress. I think everybody has it. Weirdly, um, I think he has. Skills at six eight that not we haven't seen in a long time, you know, reminiscent of Magic Johnson at the point guard position. So we'll see how he matures. Um, and, and James Wiseman, like the you know, he's he's also another very interesting prospect at seven feet and, and with his athleticism too. So who knows what can happen? But it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it for sure. I think Anthony Edwards is is special. Yeah, because right. like you said, physically you can't teach that. There's nothing that. It, any of the other guys are going to be able to learn yeah, over yeah. the course of their career or going into the NBA. So he's the most prepared in a sense because he can he can contribute to any team right now mm-hmm. based on size. Also, his wingspan. I think you know at six five, yeah. you know, six five on the perimeter, and he has a six ten wingspan. Yeah. So that he's reminiscent know, that, of like a Cam Reddish, but more aggressive, more aggressive, more physical. So that and I was a little disappointed with Cam, but I'm not a little. But he's on the way up. He's, he's on, on the way. He's on the way. He's up. on the way. Up. I believe in him still. But a guy that's a sleeper, and it might be my bias, is Killian Hayes. He's a, a French, a French okay. guy that yeah, I yeah. played with two years ago. He was um, in Ulm recently, right in Germany. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I think with him. You know those European guys. And I think we're seeing it with Luca as well. Is that they they're playing with grown men yep. uh, at the age of sixteen. So mind you, know, it's a much more physical game. Much more physical game. Yep. And I think what helps there, from like a, a trippy standpoint, is that you know how the European off season they take it off. Oh yeah. So the fact <laughs> that the fact that there's this been this long layoff, you yep. know, this is nothing for him to jump back into things and get back into the swing of playing. For sure. But you know, he's a bigger guard, has length, really can distribute the basketball. So. And he's going to New York, right? The new coach with Tibbs. And I think going into that situation like that and having, you know, hard nose and structure uh, for a young guy is also beneficial and can bode well. So Two lefties. Two lefties. Interesting. I'm going to have to take your your guys' word on Anthony Edwards. You say Anthony Edwards to me. 
and I'm thinking Revenge of the Nerds. Wow. Okay? Gilbert, wow. Gilbert Lowe, <laughs> Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. He was the actor. That's the Anthony You're dating Edwards yourself, DJ. Um, it, does, it does look like today's Anthony Edwards is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Well, we will wish everybody uh, an enjoyable night watching that. Uh, thanks to my guys, AR, Andy Routens, Shep, Javon Shepard, our producer extraordinaire, Dan Wong. You can uh, check out our Twitter at Jim Rats Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Check us out. Tell your friends. Let everybody know to listen to this podcast. Yes, we're asking for you to promote for us. Shamelessly. <laughs> I got no shame here. Um, but it was... Uh, Awesome to talk to you guys today about ball, and we will do it again. Thanks to uh, our hosts here, Eggplant, Picture, and Sound. Good night from Toronto. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.